to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. Today we're going to have another seat at the negotiation table. Um, If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This podcast is kind of an underground, just one-man show. I don't have a lot of production value. I don't do a lot of editing or at least any good editing. Uh, I kind of tend to talk fast and I like to share a lot of ideas that are kind of on the peripheral of the norm as far as ways that we can get an advantage in dynasty football. So the, the negotiation table segments that I'm going to be doing are really the epitome of that. Um, I'm just going to be kind of taking different things from negotiation tactics to social psychology to just things, ideas I've come up with and throwing them out at you, kind of trying to build th- this different uh, way that we can we can approach some of our dynasty leagues. And so, you know, the fact that I've got some little listeners out there has been has been nice. And I also have had some challenges along the way with this. So I'm going to, you know, the fact that I've got you guys listening, I want to be honest with you as, as I go through this, that I haven't had as much success just getting into negotiations as I would have liked. Um, I've had a lot of my dynasty leagues starting in my rookie drafts. And uh, I, I have had to do a little more trade sending than I would like. And, and I've made some deals and, and had some fun. And, and really enjoyed my drafts and, and really come up with some good steals and stuff. But I don't think I've really had um, a lot of uh, opportunities to, to put some of this stuff to work. So uh, some of this is theory and some of these are ideas. And, and I wish I could give you more examples um, along the way. I did have the episode uh, with some trade thing. And I do have some – I did come across some trades uh, other other players in my leagues made and I made as well that I just thought were good trades. But a lot of them were, were not necessarily uh, negotiated or well negotiated. didn't take, take much um, – so today, one of the things that I'm going to be focusing on today, and I'll have other segments with, with parts of this, um, is actually some, some social psychology things. It's from, it's from a book called Influence. Um, let me read this real quick. Robert Caldini is a professor of psychology at Arizona State. He wrote this book, and I think it's really interesting because it kind of breaks down these six principles of, of social psychology. And, and the, the, the gist of it, a lot of, some of the stuff doesn't really make a lot of sense for uh, – dynasty football and for you know what we're going to be proceeding for but i think it is interesting and there's a lot of ways that i think it can help and it can at least give us awareness um to to make some moves and also to defend ourselves against certain moves and just certain ways of thinking that that are kind of unhealthy for not just dynasty football but really for life in general Uh, and i would suggest reading the book but what i'm going to do is just kind of break down a few little things and it will be more pertained to to dynasty and to football itself uh, but it will be really social psychology as well. So let's go ahead and get right in. And later I will be doing a little bit of a, an IDP IDP name dropping segment where I'm just going to throw out some names. It'll be kind of one of the things where I, I just suggest you get out a pen and paper. Um, if you've listened to me before, you know I like to go cheap on IDP. I really like to try to find bargain basement value and focus on offense, whether it's a startup or whether I'm you know, in the middle of, of a season or, you know, an off season where I'm, you know, have a lot of talent. Sometimes I have a lot of talent. I'll still trade some of that away for offensive talent. I'm always trying to, uh, you know, get value out of my defense and find new and young and, and upstart guys who nobody else is paying attention. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a little name dropping later, uh, segment where I'm just giving you a bunch of ideas of guys who are kind of going under the radar, who I've been, been able to pick up and, and I'm seeing just go pretty late or unnoticed. Um, that we can add to our teams and get some some real value for pretty much for free. So, okay, let, let's talk about this uh, this book influence. So the major the major thing I'm gonna actually read it from you uh, the Wikipedia the explanation because I think it's pretty it's pretty spot on. 
And what it says is basically the premise of the book is that in a complex world where people are overloaded with more information than they can deal with, we usually we, we, we have a decision-making approach that becomes very generalized. And we had a lot of habits. Um, it says, you know, because we basically usually these habits and these, these actions are correct most of the time. And one of the examples he gives is, is uh, how more expensive is better. And, and I think I see this a lot of time on Amazon and stuff. But what he, the example he gives is, is a friend of his owned a jewelry store and uh, was having trouble selling some, some jewelry. And so she was lowering the price and still wasn't selling. And she went away for vacation and she told her employee you know, to, to mark it half off. But the employee misunderstood it and doubled the price. And I don't know if this story is true, to be honest with you, but it, it, this was his example. And essentially the uh, the people came in and bought it more, bought it all up because these are these are people who are on vacation and they don't know a lot about jewelry and they figure if it's more expensive, it's got to be the better stuff. And so in a weird way, she not only got rid of the jewelry, but she made twice as much money off of it and became kind of a thing with her business where she used that as an is an advantage. So these things are things that can be used to exploit people um, and also to be, you can be exploited. In fact, that's really where this book I think was really helpful for me is just seeing how, how many practitioners at car dealerships, just different places where you go all the time where people are implementing these things on you and you don't really realize it. And uh, it's good to be aware of it. And then also to, you know, to be able to use a few of these things uh, to our advantage in our dynasty leagues would also would be nice as well. Um, so, the first thing I want to talk about, he basically is he's describing these fixed action patterns. He talks about, um, you know, essentially like we're, we're almost humans are very similar to some other animals in the sense that he called it click and were. And I thought this was perfect, perfect way to describe it in the sense that there's these fixed action patterns that 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 happen. And, and he described like a little bird it, that this chick that was taking care of its babies and it takes care of its babies based on the fact that it makes this particular sound, this certain chirping sound. And if the baby doesn't make that sound, the, the mother will practically abandon it or kill it. It just won't take care of it. And these scient- scientists figured out how they could experiment with this by you know, putting stuff that did, did chirp that was actually like a, a known predator for the bird, but it made this sound and the bird would mother it. And they did this, you know, all these experiments, and found that basically it was just this sound that was causing this mother to be motherly or not be motherly to its own chicks. And you, it seems crazy, but humans are very similar in a lot of ways. Maybe not as extreme, but it, it becomes where I think if you're driving, I, I remember just certain times I'm driving and I'm not paying attention, and I'll start driving right back towards home or right towards you know somewhere where I go a lot if I'm in a certain area. And I think that that's the same kind of thing. It's like you. You automatically go. Your brain finds the shortcut, and it just decides what it's got to do without actually fully having a conscious thought about it. And so, I think as, as human beings, we think we're in control. We think we're always making these decisions. We're all, and especially with fantasy football, I think that's why I've talked about groupthink uh, in the past episodes. And I think that this is really in the different biases um, I talked about in my, in my trade thing. That th- these are all concepts that come from this, um, and it's really about how we as humans we approach things, and we end up kind of in over our head where we just think that we know everything that's going on and that we have the ability to really micromanage and process everything that's going on around us. In fact, what it's shown is that we actually have these generalizations and these shortcuts that we rely on in order to feel comfortable doing these kind of things, in order for us to really uh, progress as, as people and be able to take on all these advanced things that keep coming at us 
we find shortcuts. And I think with fantasy football, it's so it's so obvious. The podcast we listen to and the, the cheat sheets and whatever, it just becomes easy for us to just go, hey, okay, this guy says it's worth, and then, you know, ratings, and then everything just goes falls right in line. And then we wonder at the end of the day, like, whoa, how did this guy get so good? He was rated so low. Or how did this guy be so lousy? Everyone swore he was going to be so good. And I think it's just because social influence. And so some of these behaviors we'll talk about later, but I really want to focus on on, on a couple of them first. So um, the first one I want to talk about is called the contrast principle. And this principle is pretty simple. It's basically that if two things contrast each other, the second thing always seems more extreme. So for example, if you were to put your hand, one hand in hot water and your other hand in cold water, and you were to take them both out and then put them both into lukewarm water, the hand that was in the cold water would actually feel like the water was hot. And the hand that came from the hot water would actually feel like the water is cold. Even though the water is actually lukewarm, it's only in contrast to the first thing. And so, you know, if you go to a bed store and they're going to show you their most expensive model first, and then they're going to take you to the less expensive model so that, you know, compared to $6,000 or whatever, all of a sudden, two, three thousand dollars doesn't seem like that much for a bed. Where if they take you to the one thousand dollar bed first, and then they try to get you to the six thousand dollar bed, you're never going to go the other way. The contrast principle can work for you; it can work against you. And so you really, when you see retailers, they almost never implement the opposite effect. They're always going to try to show you the most expensive thing first because it not only is going to work in their favor, but if they go the opposite route, it's going to work against them. So that's important to remember. Another example of that would be for someone who just like. If you wanted to make a loan from somebody, you might say, hey, can I borrow 10 bucks?" And then if they say no, you say, well, can I borrow 5 bucks?" And so now 10 bucks, you know, 5 bucks seems a lot less than 10 bucks. It's kind of just you already decided you wanted 5 bucks, but you were willing to ask for 10 bucks. If you get the 10 bucks, great. But if, you, if, if not, then you're willing to, to contrast that, and it seems like a much more reasonable request. Um, just by lowering it, depending, and regardless if you ask for 100 bucks and 50 bucks or 100 bucks and 10 bucks, that contrast alone, it just has this principle over human reaction where they, they don't perceive it as equal. They, it, it gets an overreaction on the contrast. So just keep note of that. Um, you know, and I think another thing they mentioned was like people, the realtors would take people to houses um, that were really a dump first. And I thought this was interesting because I'd never heard this before, but they take it to a dump. And then they take you to the nice house, and then all of a sudden it seems a lot better. And, and that just, you know, I think of so many things in life that, and, and then Dynasty Football, I think that as we, as we move forward, you'll see how these can, this, little, this little bit of knowledge can, can help us approach um, the way we, we not only just send trades, but we negotiate in trades as well um, in our Dynasty Leagues. Okay, so that's, that's the first, the first uh, principle. The second principle I want to talk about is called the principle of reciprocity and and it's got a couple elements to it um one of the most glaring examples that he talked about was was like the harry christianists and how they have this they, when they originally came to the states they struggled to make money because people just thought they looked weird you know they'd hang out at airports and dance around and ask for money but at some point they figured out this reciprocity rule they just figured out that all they have to do is go up to you and give you a little bo- a bible or a flower um, before you're aware of what they're up to, and they just say, "Hey, here's this for a gift for you," and then you know people say, "Oh no, I don't want it," and they say, "No, this is our gift to you," you know. And then the people they've they've given a gift to them. And in the reciprocity rule, what it does is it causes this person to feel obligated to reciprocate that gift, to give something back. 
And the reason for this, as he describes in, in, in length, and I'll just kind of shorten it for you, is that over humanity, long, long history of mankind, we needed that for our social structure, that you have to be able to rely on your neighbor um, that you can give him something or you can lend something to him and he'll be able to lend it back to you. And together you guys have this kind of valuable connection where we can all kind of know that it, and what happens is social structure and social society really frowns on people who don't, you know, don't live up on, on their end of the bargain. So that's kind of just become part of our mindset is that you do not want to be somebody who does not reciprocate. If somebody does something nice for you, you want to do it back. Now that's, Granted, some of these situations become obvious that it's not, you know, that, that it is a tactic, and that's something that he talks about in the book. Is basically, it's you're not, you're not. If you're aware of it, then you're not, you're fall, not falling prey to it. It's not a hundred percent anything, but these are things that happen, and they happen without you realizing it. And there's this emotional attachment to this feeling of like, I don't want to feel obligated to this person, so let me give them a few dollars, and then now we're even and we're good. And that's a lot of times what happens. Um, so the reciprocity rule is kind of important for, for numerous raisins and dynasties we're going to get to, um, but I want to kind of continue on with this, this, this rule. So now with the reciprocity rule, a lot of guys will do is they'll, enti- they'll not just use the reciprocity rule, which is this kind of like a willingness to give a gift, but the, the, the slyer way and the way that it's going to be used in dynasty football or just like people use it in negotiation tactics stuff is to instead of actually giving somebody a gift you are backing off you are actually making a concession so what it really comes down to is a willingness to make a concession will oftentimes create a willingness to make a concession on the other side so now imagine you know you're you're just i think the guy described he was walking and a kid asked him for a donation um to this you know 25 dollar donation to something and the guy said no and then the kids say, well, how about buy a couple, you know, $1 chocolate bars? And he's like, oh, okay, you know. So not only did he use the contrast rule where he brought the number from this big number down to this little number, what he also did is he implemented this rejection then retreat tactic where you are implementing the, the reciprocity rule where you're, you, the social structure kind of works the same just as giving a gift. If If you and I are working together on something and then, I'm willing to compromise on part of that agreement. Now it kind of becomes relying on you to compromise because for the same reason as lending your, your neighbor some sugar, if if I would never feel trustworthy in my neighbor to, to every once in a while you know compromise when we're making, that I'm never going to compromise first. So whoever compromises first kind of makes that assumption that the other person will, will reciprocate that. And so that, that rule has a strong hold on us as human beings. And then put together with this contrast rule – it becomes what is called rejection and retreat tactic. And so it's a very common tactic and it's very simple to to see how that would work for, for dynasty football. And so what I would suggest is just for one to be aware of this, this is I, part of me thinks that, you know, you don't ever want to like approach your league with, with a lot of attacks. To me, I, I don't play in big money leagues and I have a lot of fun playing in my leagues and I, I like a lot of my league mates and I trust a lot of my league mates and I'm friends with them. So I never like to make it just about tactics, but I do like to, if I'm going to word something a certain way, it might as well word it in a way that, that could eventually actually help you as far as psychologically, because that is that is the key. It's like a lot of times just how you approach people, whether you realize it or not, there's there's aspects of psychology to to your approach when you're when you're dealing with negotiations. So perfect example of this, if you wanted to put this into action, would be 
if you're going to somebody, and, and I've talked about this before, where if you just go to somebody and you ask them about the person, then you've already kind of shifted the table in their direction because now they know they're interested. You're interested, so they're going to put the higher the, the higher price on that person that they've been, you know, that they have for that person. So, in a way, you have to be careful with this. But if you're already in negotiations and you or you want to approach somebody with a player that you don't really want, so let's imagine that you're trying to get, you know, that Todd Gurley's on a team, and so. Todd Gurley is this high-end player. Now, part of this rule, what they talked about, is the only way this rule doesn't work is if your initial offer is so bad that they no longer trust you. So you cannot just come in with a lousy offer and then implement the, the rejection and retreat and be like, oh, but, you know, I'll back it down and now I'm, I'm, I'm retreating, so therefore I'm... No, it doesn't work that way. You have to at least be considered a reasonable person because if they... If they see your offer and they think this person's unreasonable, then the second offer doesn't really matter. There's not going to be any coming up. It has, and this is actually in his psychology. So, this this is something that they they're no, you know when you're going to retail stores or it's it's all implemented to at least be reasonable. So you got to when you're approaching a trade, you can't just come in and be like, ah, I'm going to throw a bunch of lousy players at you for this guy, and then all of a sudden you're going to think it's great if I if I come in with a little better. You're going to end up just nobody's going to want to deal with you. What you need to do though is. Maybe you don't really want Todd Gurley. Maybe you want a wide receiver on their team, and you just want to go and go after their biggest piece and start start the conversation there. And you know they probably won't trade it, so you package a good package, a really fair package, not as good as Todd Gurley, but something very fair. And I'm not saying send the offer because maybe you don't even want them to accept it. Maybe you just send it to them in the negotiation room. You know, you just say, "Hey, what about this?" And you start that talk, and just by getting it in their head this high thing, now you give them this a chance to reject that and to say, no, I don't like that at all. And now you've got this chance to not only implement the, the retreat, the rejection and retreat, but also to get that, that uh, contrast principle where now you've, you've, you can bring the price down, change it to a different player. If you have a plan in place where you, you see a player that you don't want, that's very valuable, that you can make an offer that's just short of it, and have a plan for an offer that's just short. Because then the other thing they talk about in this principle is that it doesn't need to be a lot of contrast. It doesn't need to be way less. Just retreating a little bit and just having a little bit of contrast is enough to get it done. So that's where you can kind of, well, I talked about in these past episodes, getting the edges here and an edges there. That's a great way to do it is just by starting negotiations high and for something that they may not want to sell. And the same thing goes with players that you have um, because you, you can kind of, Start it high and then work towards selling low or selling another player low or however you want to. If you're just selling or if you're buying, it's the same kind of approach where you want to kind of set that that tone um, with that contrast principle and with the ability to back off of it because those things together are going to to create kind of a psychological effect um, that will help you. It's not going to guarantee anything, but the percentages show that. Um, so one more thing on that: there there was this interesting study that, that I read about in the book. Um, that, that was um, by a social psychologist of Harvard named Ellen Langer. And, and really what it came down to is they did this study on asking for a favor. And, you know, in fantasy football, you don't really ask for a lot of favors. But you do kind of sometimes want to move up for a trade or anything. And the, the study kind of broke down the fact that you need a reason. Like, it's not, it doesn't have to be a good reason. It just has to be a reason. And it's not even the reason itself. It's the word because. So what they found out is that if you say we're standing in line for a copier and you came to people and said, hey, you know, I really need to use the copier because I have five 
pieces of paper to, to copy or because I really am in a rush. It doesn't really matter what you say behind the because because just for some reason the because, they, they did studies. So the because I'm in a rush, 94% of the people said yes. Without the word because, they just came in and said, hey, I have five copies. Do you mind if I go ahead of you? Only 60% of the people said yes. But then if you use the word because and then didn't actually say you were in a rush, you just described the same things. I have five copies and because I need to make copies, that because got it back up to 93%, so 1% less. So 33% more, basically a third of the time more, you have success um, just because, or actually half of the time, because if you look at it as 60% of the time, yeah, 60% of the time you get you get no success. And I'm not saying this is going to work 60% of the time or half of the time or 30% of the time. I don't know. To be honest, if you look at if a lot of the stuff I, I'm talking about, I can't give you any concrete success stories of this stuff. But I do put it into place and things do happen and I do make good deals. And I can't help but think that it's not going to hurt me. It's only going to help me uh, um, to make those kind of deals is, is to kind of put these things in here. So... What am I saying? Well, I'm not saying go and give lots of good reasons, but I'm just saying give a reason. You know, give a simple, obvious reason. It doesn't even have to. I've talked about not giving information. I still, I don't like giving information. Consistency is we're going to talk about is one of the principles, and and, and in one of the future negotiation podcasts, we're going to talk about building your brand and consistency. And those things are important because the society also respects consistency. They don't like people who are all over the place, so they don't like you to just say one thing and then say, you know, be two faced and say another thing. So it's good to to kind of have a a basis of consistency and there you go you're you're in a draft and somebody's in the second round and you want to move up and you say hey man i really like to move up to this pick because there's a guy i really like does that make a difference i don't know because honestly the thing about dynasty football that's a little bit different than some of these situations is that these situations sneak up on you they're in real life and you're not really expecting it dynasty football everybody's got their 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 focus on and they're, they're they're engaged and they're ready for people to try and take advantage of them but they may not even realize that that it's just that little because cause, oh well he does have a reason you know he has a reason I don't know why it works but it's it's worked and it works it's shown to work and many many a scientific and I don't I'm not one to argue with the uh, science and and I do believe in, in the psychology stuff I I think that you know I talked about the Jarvis Landry bias that I have uh, where I just there's certain players I get on my teams um, it it really comes down to social proof and consistency. Uh, they talk about this thing like uh, if you buy – they were talking, talking to uh, guys who, who go to the racetrack and these guys, if they asked them before they, they bought the ticket, you know, which, which, how confident they are that this horse, you know, say horse four or whatever, is going to win the race, they're way less confident they, they, before they bought the ticket than they are after they bought the ticket. And it makes so much sense, but you say, well, what do you mean? Why are they more confident before this race hasn't started yet? Well, once they buy the ticket, they've got to convince themselves that they made the right decision. And that comes down to the same thing with us in fantasy football is we, we start buying into these players. We, we, we spit capital on them. We start investing not just time and energy, but just like feeling of being right. And so it's really hard to let that go. And the same thing goes with guys that you don't have on your team. You become kind of biased against them. So... These are things that you get to know yourself. Understand that your brain is not taking it all in and your brain is not capable of, of processing each and every individual. You're always looking for shortcuts and it's always going to take them if it can. If it gets an answer and says, oh, this guy stinks or this guy's great, it's going to do that without actually spending the time sometimes to figure out the nuances of the situation. And then when it comes to trades, we can actually use a few of these things uh, to our advantage as well. So I think that that's pretty much it as far as the negotiation table for today. We'll talk some more. I've got some different ideas 
uh, just going all over the place. But I want to take it step by step and give you guys little pieces and then give you a little bit of a player talk as well. Try these things. I'm not going to, like I said, they're not, they're not world-changing things, but they are good little tactics that you should take to, a, to realize that this, this contrast principle, this reciprocity principle, the ability to, to engage somebody and back down from a trade that's a fair trade is, is something that, that I think uh, it works in a lot of ways as we, as we move forward and talk about these principles and talk about branding and stuff that you want to you be able to create this dynamic ability to be honest when you need to be honest to uh, to find edges where you can find edges, enjoy the whole process, but take little steps to protect yourself and also to gain that edge. And these these are those little steps. It's not really that hard. It's just making uh, little adjustments to your to the way you approach offers, and also, like I said, kind of giving reasons at times uh, for whatever reason because. Okay, so now as promised, we're gonna do uh, just a little IDP name dropping. This is gonna be a fast segment. Um, I just want to give you guys some names to to kind of go out there and, and look at getting. Some of these positions, you know, it's. I'm trying to give you guys. This is dynasty football, so I'm trying to give you guys young names um, that aren't that aren't names that are right on the top that everyone knows. Uh, because giving you the, the names everyone knows, even if they're good producers, it's kind of just. It's not. It's not what I'm trying to do. Yes, you you want to gain some of these guys along the way, um, especially if you can get them at the right price. But you especially and and I will say a lot of leagues I play in are pretty balanced leagues. Defensive makes a difference, and you should play in those leagues. I keep saying this. The more you, you more you can get these kind of things in there, the more advanced you get it, the more challenging you make it, the less luck there is, the better it is for you. If you've gotten to this podcast and you're listening to enough stuff that, trust me, you're better than 85% or 90% of your, of your people with you that in your leagues, you're going you're gonna to excel. Make it harder. Even in, in people, other people will gravitate to those as well because they want to play with good players. It doesn't mean that they want to be great. Being great takes listening and trying different things and, and the you're here doing that. So just keep trying to get the harder to more advanced and you will keep finding ways to get advantages. Um, so let's go ahead and start with defensive tackles. I'm going to read off some different names of guys that I see are just kind of younger and, and should be starting scoring some kind of good points. Um, depends to what, you know, what kind of position needs you. If you don't need defensive tackles, like you don't have to start defensive tackles, honestly, almost of these guys won't even, won't even register. Uh, but if you do need to start defensive tackles and there is some balance to it, you will see that, that these guys could end up being decent. Um, so I'm just going to go off some names. I, ta- I talked about Sheldon Rankins in my last episode. I, I like him. A guy like uh, Eddie Goldman for Chicago. There's there's a guy like uh, Trevon Coley of Cleveland. He's a young. He's pretty young and has some upside. Um, Marcel Darius is getting a little older, and I don't think he's going to score a lot of points. Um, but he, I do think that he's a really good player. He just I don't know how. In, in, Moving to Jacksonville has kind of brought him some notoriety. I used to always get him when he was with Buffalo, waiting, and they just kind of screwed him. They stuck him in a bad spot. I kept waiting for him to score points, uh, and now I've kind of given and moving on from him. But there are some other guys like Kenny Clark, Green Bay Packers, good one to look for. Uh, Grady Jarrett of the Atlanta Falcons. So you know nothing nothing jumps out of me as super exciting. I put these guys down as as just guys that, that could uh, could make a difference. In, in like I said, are young enough that they, they can stay on your dynasty team, and and they might. You can get a little trade appeal if, if you have a balanced scoring. Uh, defensive linemen, like defensive ends, uh, there's a lot more guys like Trey Flowers of, of New England. I really like, I think Vic Beasley could make a comeback. Um, we've seen Daniel Hunter. This might be a good year but to buy Daniel Hunter because he kind of had a down year last year after having a really good year the previous year, and he's still 24, 25 years old or something. He's, he's pretty young. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, kind of specialist only, but he's a really just like a 
he's got a unique name. I think people kind of draft him higher just because his name is is really noticeable. And you go, oh wow, Yannick Ngakwe. You know, I remember that name. Then there's guys like Kerry Hyder. He's been around a long time. I don't know how long he's been around, but um, I should have written down some of these guys' ages. Derek Barnett is getting a lot of love. I don't know. I think he. he I'm not sold that he's going to produce this year. I think that that he's kind of a guy that uh, that I would lay off just because it seems like everybody's on him. There's like a what, the one thing I'm noticing just in my drafts is getting into it. I did mention Miles Gold or what's his name, uh, Marcus Golden. I think he he's a guy that that's getting that doesn't have getting any attention because he's coming back from injury. Um, Frank Clark is another guy for Seattle. These are guys that, that they they're getting some attention, but they're kind of like they're just underrated players and, and could make an impact. Um, a defensive end. The key is not spending much money. I mean, that's really the key. Just figure out which one you can get late, whether it's defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker. All these things, these guys are guys that I wouldn't spend money on. Somebody might, and so you're going to start having to cross guys off your list, but they're going to be guys you come across that that are going to be stuck, that are just going to be you know decent players. Jamie Collins is one that he's a little older, but I just think he's coming off that injury, so people aren't talking about him. Um, Joe Sherbert or Schobert. Uh, Cleveland, I got him in a couple leagues last year, and he just balled out, and he, I'm keeping him. He seems like he's got the spot. It doesn't seem like he's going anywhere everywhere I read. It just kind of seems like he uh, has kind of dismantled himself. Um, a guy, Raekwon McMillan, I don't know. People talk about him. In all my drafts, he keeps going really like – everybody just thinks – I think he was a rookie. He got injured, an ACL injury or something, and then now he's coming back. I would much rather take a guy like Darren Lee, I wrote, I wrote down. I think that he, he kind of is, he hasn't stepped up yet, but he's about to. Um, we'll find out. But he, he's he's a talent, and he plays middle linebacker for the Jets, and he's going to probably, as long as he's, you know, we'll find out. And if he's good, then he will be good. You know, another guy is Shaq Thompson. I think that uh, Thomas Davis is going to go away at some point, and I love Shaq Thompson. I get Shaq Thompson whenever I can. That guy's an incredible athlete. I think they were going to have him be a running back at one point. Um, when they drafted him in the first round. I mean, Shaq Thompson, he's just been waiting behind Thomas Davis. You're playing behind a guy like Thomas Davis and playing next to Luke Keekley. They put him on the strong side. At some point, they're going to have to you know, unleash him a little bit and let him do some stuff. So that's one. Uh, Jatavis Brown is one. B.J. Goodson uh, came off. I think he was injured most of the last season. Denzel Perriman came off injury. So these are all guys that are coming off injury. Devondre Campbell, um, the pass rushing. I read, just read that Devondre Campbell might do some pass rushing with uh, – Atlanta, this just depends on your scoring. So you can't always, you know, it depends. You have to really kind of look at the scoring and then make a plan from there. Um, if it's pass rush heavy, then guys like Bud Dupree is a good one to look at. Um, some of these guys, they're, they're, they're just haven't hit their peak yet, but they could come out. Bud Dupree could be defensive player of the year. They say that every year, I know. But he could. He's got T.J. Watt on the other side, and this guy is just a freak. If they could just get, you know, get him a little bit, get going, I think that there's there's something to that. Um and he's cheap. He's free. There's no nobody wants him. Um, safeties. I, there's a lot of safeties. I'm really scoring this when I go through these dynasty drafts. Uh, I, you know, these are teams that are already established. These are we go through the rookie draft and then we hit in the free agent drafts. And then I'm getting guys pretty late like Josh Jones, um, John Johnson. Josh Jones, the Packers young young safety. Uh, you know, Morgan Burnett's leaving, and I don't know exactly what what his position is going to be, but there's just a lot of production there to be had. Uh, John Johnson for the Rams, young player. It's kind of like I read that he's, he's kind of coming along. Um, Kevin Byard, you're not going to get him cheap anymore. He's a baller. That guy's badass, and, but he's really good, and he's he's the kind of player that he, I, I think that people have caught on now. There's there's no more getting Kevin Byard. I did put him down because I love him, and if you can get him cheap, wow, go get that guy. 
Um, Buda Baker, I mentioned already in the past pep podcast. I think he's one that's, that he's he's due for a big, big kind of boost this year. Uh, Adrian Amos, he kind of came on last year. I think he didn't look like he played very much in the early season. I don't know whether he just didn't get that job, but it looks like he has that job now. Um, so he looks like he he could be kind of moving uh, in the right direction. Bradney McDougal, that was a weird thing. Bradney McDougal took over as the strong safety for uh, Seattle. It, the Cam Chancellor thing, I think that thing's over. So if, I still people see still people going after Cam Chancellor, and he's not even there. Earl Thomas, I don't. Even, it's like there's there's this weird thing going on. But McDougal produced, and so I think that he you can get him if you can get him cheap. That's great. Um, that would be an excellent one. That's pretty much it on safeties. I don't really have. I, we did linebackers, so cornerbacks. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really have too many. I, I talked about Tredarius White. This is one of those ones where I think that with fantasy, you really just have to see where um, where some of that production lies. Like, I think that there's there's guys like uh, Jalen Mills for Philadelphia, who's going to be in the other side of a, of uh, Ronald Darby. But even Ronald Darby is going to get a lot of points because he's going to, you know, he's they're, they're a productive offense. A lot of times, I was thinking about the Buffalo why Tre'Davious White is productive, and I think it's partially because the defense stinks or the offense stinks, and so the defense is on the field the whole time, and so the guy just has to keep making tackles and they keep moving the chains and he has to keep making plays. So those are kind of good teams to, to look at. Teams that are just on the field sometimes can be, or teams that score a lot. It's it's kind of hard. I, I don't have a real good read on defensive backs, but every year I find guys. Um, I go down here, Jordan Lewis for Dallas, um, Akello Witherspoon for San Francisco. These are young guys that defenses are going to pick on um, that, that haven't proven anything. Nate Hairston uh, for Indy. Gary and Conley for Oakland. Remember that kid? So yeah, I mean, there's there's kids. Uh, Jair Alexander for Green Bay. That's a perfect one because you know he's he's going to be taking on. You know, they're they're going to score a lot of points, so he's going to be taking on a, a workload. So there you go. If you hope you got a pin out and you just wrote some of those names down. If you don't have a source, um, I get a lot of my stuff of like football guys and just off of different. Uh, just I just Google basically like production defensive production, uh, and then I just kind of look for young guys. Like I said. To me, yeah, I could go to the top guys and just look for big, big time players. But I guess I'm looking for cheap, and I, and those young guys turn into the big time players. And you want to catch them before they do. And then I usually just sell them anyway. I'm not a big time proponent of holding on. I do once I build a great like. If I, in fact, a lot of my defenses are pretty good, but it's only because I built my offense out, and then I start taking those pieces of defense. And I want them to stick at that point because you do want good defensive pieces. You want to win, um, but it's just value at first. You, I think so many people put so much emphasis on building their team that they forget to just build a valuable thing. If you, I look at things like draft portfolio. I mean, not draft a like a stock portfolio or something. You you got to build value first. You just got to get something worth a lot. Once you get a lot of value, then you figure out how do I make this value into a winning team. If you just go get a team, you're going to miss out on so many chunks of value along the way um, that we're, you're going to lose because the the dynasty thing about dynasty is. It's getting, it's progressing. It's the, every year, every every time I talk to people, every time I see things, there's so much talk about it. It's getting better and better, and it's evolving. And so we've got to stay on top of that. We got to keep evolving, and, and that's kind of what this podcast is. It's just kind of a fun little uh, exercise where we, we challenge ourselves to, uh, you know, really try to think out of the box and, and find different edges, and always make sure we're thinking value. Um, I'm not the biggest player talk guy because I don't really, like I said, I don't scout. I don't have the time. Um, I'm sorry I got this podcast out a little late this week because I really, I, I'm busy. I, I put this podcast out in my garage um, after I put my kids down to bed. 
and, and I wish I could, you know, do a little better production. I really, you know, it's, it's strange to me. I don't get much feedback at all. I do get a lot of listens, but I don't get much feedback from you guys. I have a, the Big Knowledge FO1 Twitter account. I think I have five or six followers, and a couple of those are like just smutty girls that just, you know, they're just trying to sell something. I, it's, it's pretty sad. I follow, And the only followers I've gotten are people I follow, which are other football and minds. Um, and in the emails, I don't get much. I just got one podcast email. Um, so really, it's just kind of a, for me. I don't mind that. I don't expect you guys to to do much. Uh, I never did. I never interacted with any podcast I ever listened to. So I can't expect that from you. Um, but I'm just in this. I, 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 it's weird. I don't have a, a co-host. I'm sorry if I talk really fast or if you know. I, sometimes I just spit out information. But I'm trying to just keep it. Um, I'm trying to get as much information to you guys. Kind of give you what my secrets are and try to give you something that, that that's worthwhile to you at the same time as uh kind of having having a little fun for myself and making and making an experience so anyway if you do want to get a hold of me you can find me on twitter at big knowledge fo1 or you can email the show at big knowledge football at gmail.com and if you do want to hear more content like this you can check out past episodes or you can stay tuned i will have more podcasts coming out um, i'll try to keep them coming out every few days with some kind of content for you. So thanks for listening and have a great day.